Solomon and Habakkuk both knew that the Lord who lived in the temple would act on behalf of his people in their distress if they prayed to him. As both Solomon and Habakkuk knew, the righteous shall live by faith in contrast to the proud who rely on their own resources. The righteous are those who look to the Lord to save them from their own life. The righteous don't look to themselves to get through life, but they lean on the Lord also by prayer. So Habakkuk prayed this prayer because he had faith that the Lord lived in his temple. Verse 20. And so being the living God, the Lord was capable of answering Habakkuk's prayer. For us, we don't pray human words. The Lord is capable of hearing us. But we pray upward to heaven where God's sanctuary is where Christ our high priest also can we know that God hears our prayers even if he doesn't always act in our time or the fashion that is best. We also saw that in Habakkuk 1. So although it's a struggle, a strong prayer life is very important for us to be called to this light of servant prayers. For all the faithful in Habakkuk's time, Habakkuk's prayer was very important too in their dark ages. As a prophet, Habakkuk was the spokesman for the Jews. And therefore, this prayer interceded at the temple for those on behalf of the Jews. More than that, this prayer also functioned as a song for their pursuit. So when we sing Hymn 14, we sing a song that has been sung a lot by a lot of people for a lot of time. Now, like Psalm 7, which is a song sung in the temple courts. Verse 1 has what is likely musical direction. You saw the note for that. The NIV translates it most likely a note for the choir director. On Gideon. A number of commentators believe this note probably directs the music to match the words. So that's to say the prayer is very exciting, fervent, and passionate and was to be played and sung also as such. It's safe to say that as the threat of the Babylonians became more and more intense to God's people, so also the intensity of the singers must have increased. When Vashti's meal or the going was brutally hard, some people clung to God much more fiercely. They probably also experienced this and sing and pray much more passionately hymns like Hymn 14. Wonderful hymns for God's people during those hard times, but also during the present time. Because that hard times were anticipated by Habakkuk's spiritual need too. Habakkuk invoked the Lord, that's to say he appealed to the Lord, first of all, by saying that he had heard the report of the Lord in his prayer. As a result, he was in a state of fearful awe. What was the report Habakkuk had heard? Habakkuk had heard how the Lord was bringing healing to this Babylonian against the people's city's walls. Chapter 1, verse 5, and following. The fact that Habakkuk said he was in fearful awe shows that he really believed this was going to happen. He was not like some who has history and also today never even 
Or we'll have him say, it's all my fault, it was the worst cut in history. Habakkuk had been informed of his frantic military that was coming. And he was shaken because he didn't doubt God's word. Brothers and sisters, what is our response to God's word when it says in these last days and notices that what we read from Revelation is coming? Is it just this warning that's going to go quiet and quicken and then we're just going to die and never hear from God again? struggles as an attitude like Habakkuk. In verse 2, we see that Habakkuk knew the Babylonians would break the Jerusalem walls. He knew also that Babylon's walls would be breached and pillaged. And although these things would be chaotic, he didn't question the Lord's chilling forecast for the time. Instead, Habakkuk embraced God's plan of salvation by towards people by bringing judgment on his enemies. And thus Habakkuk invoked God, verse 2, to revive his work and to make it known. In other words, Habakkuk prays, your will be done. He prays this considering the destruction of his own Jerusalem and unsurprisingly considering the destruction of Babylon. This really shows how God worked in Habakkuk's heart to make him believe that God was working all things for the good of his people even in spite of example of such mercy is shown when Queen Esther came into the lives of the Jews so that Haman would not kill them. In this case also God shows mercy to his people in Esther's case. In our own case as well, God raises up the next person so that he may show mercy to his people and that he may be able to one day help all people in the world and also to protect us as well. So let us
presence of our God surges through this season. Habakkuk began with remembering how God came from Edom, the Holy One of the Mount, on his throne. Issues, territories, places are found in the very south of Israel, north of Mount Sinai, Says that, and then he's got off, and he unveils his power in the 
liking what is seen because the hair is so beautiful. What is particularly powerful here
us and calls that God's good and measured in words. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sent low. His were the everlasting ways. What's depicted here is the divine Habakkuk standing so we can have a good proof in the psalmist's hand, they were, it said, Moab is my washstand. Upon Edom I cast my fear. Over Philistia I shout in triumph. Nothing and nobody could stop God from giving the people a land to live in. For his people, the Lord had promised from the river of Egypt to the river Euphrates. This may be difficult for us as Canadians to grasp live in such a big country, but for the Jews, the promised land was huge. They would have had a hard time fathoming how much land God had promised them. And yet, the promise in New Jerusalem was of such a size, 12,000 stadia, if you can think of that as 2,300 kilometers.
while the water is flowing from down to the Sea of Arabah, it's also known as Asian Canal. And notice in verse 5 there, there's a capital word there. The priests carried the Ark of the Covenant, and the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by, for the whole nation had completed their journey at that time. Israel piled up the sand. So amazing. Both with the Red Sea and the Jordan, God did these awesome acts of power to bring his people to possess his promised land. And it's important to recognize what these water bodies signified. They signified the borders of of territory. So we see nothing could stop God from crossing from one land into another land. The water sought out the way for God and his people. And Habakkuk also would have been looking to the Lord to save his people again in such a fashion. And it's fascinating how the fall of Judah's captured Babylon echoes this. Because Cyrus of Persia was marching upon Babylon when he came to the river and wanted to flee. One of his best horses, white in color, tried to cross and was swept away by the current. And Cyrus was so angry that he promised the river that he would break this threat. And he had his men dig so many canals so that he said a woman would be able to cross without getting her feet wet. Cyrus, having done that, then marched on to Babylon. And Babylon sounds again some different water bodies, the Euphrates River. And it flowed right into the middle of the sea. When Cyrus came, he diverted the Euphrates elsewhere so that his men could march in the dry riverbed into Babylon. The righteous Jew, willing by faith, would have rejoiced at this news. The Babylon oppressor Belshazzar was killed by the Lord's dryness in his praise to Cyrus. What a victory over Babylon via God's power over the water. Revelation 16, verse 24, says that the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead man, and every living thing who died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and turned the water of the Aegean into blood. This illustrates the mind to write uh, the Nile River and turn into blood and the water that surrounded it. And although it's quite foreign to us to read, thirst is also a terrible thing.
walking with you, giving you anticipation. The wheels of Pharaoh's mighty chariots, they came off. God made it impossible for them to catch up with the Israelites, men, the women, the children. He drowned them in the waters of the Red Sea. It looked like the Pharaoh and his Egyptian army couldn't proceed, but with God that looks like that means very little what things look like because in an instant God can change the tide of any storm. When King Jesus was crucified by the Jewish leaders in the power of Rome, it looked like the devil had the victory. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, Pontius Pilate and the soldiers who go between the devil's puppets, it looked like they had won. God's anointed one who's chosen to save his people breathed his last breath on the cross and died. His disciples, it looked like the one who changed his days. It looked like he's still in his misery. How could a cross be on the road to victory? It looked like the wooden instrument of torture and death had won because the devil had claimed. To human eyes, a cross is shame, it's disgrace, it's defeat, it's agony, it's death. But God again did the unexpected. Just as his anointed one, Cyrus, did his unexpected tragedy to sweeping Babylon through a waterway, disrupted Babylon's last luxurious party. Just as it resulted in the death of King Belshazzar, similarly God's unexpected strategy of using a cross resulted in Jesus Christ's triumph over Satan and human resurrection. The Roman soldiers could not contain the scene. The Pharisees were helpless and him trying to stop him, rising from the dead. But Jesus finds that he's paved the way for victory over the devil. Their weapon, a wooden cross, backfired on them completely. And this brings salvation to everyone who believes. He's alive, brothers and sisters. We have a risen and ascended king. He came to save the people for himself. And continuing to confess and to vouch that Jesus is Lord and believing in the heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. As Habakkuk feels to live by faith, it means we have every blessing in Christ by faith. And although many blessings have yet to be fully received, Until faith becomes sight, let us seek to repent of this suffering salvation. Because the King will come again. And the more we fight evil to trust Him, the more we pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, save your people as you have in the past. So let's continually put our hope and our mind in Him. Let's pray for this tragic accident. Thank you, Stanley. Hymn 14, stanza 4 and 7. 